Hello, this is Aviana with the Avi Om Experience, and we have an amazing podcast scheduled for all of you who are going to be tuning into this. This goes a little way back into the retro days, a few a few years ago before I really, really started diving into this work. I met this beautiful soul who is joining us today, and I'm so grateful that I've been able to witness, even here locally and from afar, her amazing, amazing journey that uh, we are so grateful to share with all of you. So I am going to be really a bystander listening in this podcast. And we, we love to bring in people and topics that are a little bit different really, really tuning into the synchronistic events of the universe, going beyond all odds, and really just touching on subjects that take us a little bit deeper. And this this podcast is absolutely going to do that. So without further ado, we're going to just go ahead and bring her right on because we want to get to the gist of this amazing experience. So Welcome, Molly Schultz. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm super excited to be here and talk with you and just Yay. thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate oh it. I love it. Well, we had a session. It was about a month and a half ago, something like that. Something, yeah. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> we we touch base, you know, probably around once a year, maybe twice a year, and uh, just kind of checking in to see how things are going because your story is ridiculously amazing. And so <laughs> who would have thought, right, how many years ago? It was probably like seven, eight years ago when I first met you. Um, why don't you why don't you bring us back to that moment? Because I was invited to do a little intuitive event and you were there. I was. So I was in town. I was living in Boise, Idaho at the time, and I was in town visiting my mom and my dad. And I was supposed to fly out. I don't know if you know this, but I was supposed to fly out like four days before that event. I didn't know that. (laughs) And my mom was like, hey, like we're going to go to the psychic medium. And uh, I had just lost my grandma and I had never done that kind of stuff before. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll just stick around a couple extra days and and do it. And yeah, I met you and it was amazing, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I remember this because you were not even married at the time. I was not. And um, your grandmother came through like right away. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And I will never forget this. I, I, it's, it's interesting too, because a lot of times when I do sessions, I don't remember uh, information because, you know, I move out of the way and I, I let spirit come in and, and do the, the dialogue and, and connection. And I will never forget. And I don't even know uh, um, <laughs> if you remember this. I remember this. And, and obviously maybe Tim will listen to this and <laughs> he will go, oh my heavens. But I remember that you could not even, one of your only things that you were wishing for is that you would be married to Tim. Yes. Remember? Yes, I do. I do. I was nervous that he like didn't want to be with me. I don't know. It was just one of those like fears that you have, I guess. But yeah, I was, I wanted you to tell me we would get married. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. Holy and we moly. did. And you said you're going to get married on an island. And we were poor at that time. I'm like, what island are we going to get married on? <laughs> And somehow we just, we ended up in Hawaii and it was beautiful and it was awesome. So good. So how long have you been married? 
It'll be six years next week. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And we have an anniversary this week. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got married in the same month. I love that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, so let's fast forward or let's, well, I don't want to fast forward too far. So fast forward, you got married mm-hmm. and, um, then being a mom is like Dharma for you. Yeah. I was pregnant on our wedding day and we had an eight or nine month old daughter at the time. And, um, we, we eloped. I mean, and then, yeah, I was a mom and I never wanted to be a mom, which is really interesting. Um, that's just a really funny part to the story because I do have so many children now, but I didn't want to be a mom and people kind of laugh when they, when I say that, but, um, I just, it never was in my plans, you know, mm-hmm. when I in was your, younger. In your mind plans, right? Right. Yeah. Cause what, what do they say? What, what, um, God plans, what God has planned for you and what you have planned are two really different things. Or you come up with your own plan and then God laughs, right? <laughs> That's yeah. How it works. It's, yeah. It's totally what I've learned so far. It's crazy. Completely in the place of surrender. Yeah. So, and, and let's fast forward a little bit further. So why don't you just share the name of your beloveds and how old they are? And then I really want to just, I just want to go in because your story has been shared millions of times, right? I mean, millions of times through social media where people are sharing it and talking about it because it's, it's one of those stories where it's almost, you can't possibly fathom it. Right. Right. It's just right. like, that's something that you read about. Right. And yes. it's your story. It's yeah. your story. Things like this don't happen to people like me. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's what you think, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so my kiddos, we, ha- my oldest daughter, her name is Presley. And then my second daughter, her name is Sawyer. And then we had identical twin girls and their names are Lennon and Halen. And I'll have to get to the other ones after. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you share with us? So you're call you're tuning in from Colorado, correct? Yes. You're, that's where you currently live. And I remember when we started talking, we uh, we were we saw you in uh, California, and then we knew that there was a potential other move. And so now you're in Colorado. You've you've traveled a bit with through um, Tim's work. Yes. And, and kind of gallivanting all over the countryside. How are you liking Colorado so far? It is amazing. Oh, I mean, so good. I think, I think it's just such a pristine and beautiful place to be able to raise your children. I just, I don't know. I feel really, really blessed and lucky that, um, that this is where they get to be raised mm-hmm. and grow up. Right. Yeah. Cause every, we know that every state has a different energy, not that it's a good or bad energy, but it's completely different. There are certain states that I absolutely align with and certain states or towns or cities that I don't. And we typically feel any type of restriction if there's a place that is just not in alignment. We just don't like it. So Colorado is a, a good place for your family and in alignment with you, which is which is awesome. So let's bring in your dad. Yes. So share with us, begin to share the story about your dad and his experience, and then we'll just 
we'll we'll all be hanging on the edge of our seats as you yeah. go through this. <laughs> um, so I think I need to start off the story by saying my childhood was very normal. Um, my dad is one of my best friends. He had always been one of my best friends growing up and um, and so he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer when my twins were just two months old and came completely out of left field. Uh, it was devastating to me because he was one of the closest people that I had ever been to. Um, and when he got that diagnosis, I flew across the country with all four of my babies and um, I spent two months with him because you know, you hear pancreatic cancer and it's pretty much a death sentence. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just kind of the energy that surrounds it and kind of just what everyone thinks. And so I knew that it, I just had to go spend time with him. And so the best way to do that was to take all of my babies away from my poor husband, God bless <laughs> his soul, um, and just spend, you know, my birthday and Christmas and Thanksgiving with him. And so we were over there for... I don't know, two months and uh, Tim came out for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but then we flew back home New Year's Day. And um, I don't know, it was just, it was so hard to leave him knowing that how sick he was because his body just was deteriorating. He became really like an old man. And um, so it was hard to go back home and, and continue to raise my children away mm -hmm. from him. Um, but I took a lot of videos in the time that they were there and a lot of pictures, which I cherish so much now. Um, but so we came home and March came around and I got a phone call that his wife had died. And it was like the craziest. I just remember that day just being the craziest thing. Like, wait, what? She She's dead? She died? They have a two-year-old son. I had a brother named Easton, and my dad had this little baby, and he was dying. My dad was dying, and who's going to raise Easton, you know? And um, But in the moment when I found out that his wife had passed away, I just knew that I needed to get to Michigan. And I, had, I was nursing my twins at the time, and so I got on a plane by myself with the twins, six months old. They were six months old at the time. And I flew to Michigan and I don't know how I did it because that just sounds crazy now to even think about <laughs> flying with two babies by yourself. But I don't know. I, it was just in the mindset, like you have to get there. You have to do this. And so I did. And, um, I got there and, and I was spending time with him and, um, I knew that he didn't have very much longer to live. And so, um, I don't know. I just, I knew that I had to be there. So when I got there, it was a lot of like, okay, who's going to raise Easton? And um, he had chosen my uncle, his brother, to raise Easton, to take custody of Easton. And I was completely supportive of that. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like, it'll be great. Um, and then, I don't know, it was a couple days later, and things just really started to change. And um, it a lot, there was a lot of chatter of like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. When my dad would ask questions about Easton, like, are you going to, you know, put him in sports? Are you going to, I don't know, just like random stuff like that. And people would be like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And I, it just didn't sit well with me. And I went to him one day and I said, you know, I feel like 
this child is a burden to people and I don't want him to feel like a burden. And I kind of just put myself in my dad's shoes in that moment. And if I was dying and somebody had to take my children, I wouldn't want them to say, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And I told him, I want to raise Easton. I want to be the one to do it. Um, Tim is already on board. Uh, we, we don't have a son. We have four daughters. So, you know, it's like a perfect missing piece to our little puzzle. And he was like, I'll never forget. He was like, I never was going to ask you to do it, but you're the one that I always wanted. But I Ugh. could never, I could never ask you because you have four babies. I mean, my oldest was three mm. at the time. And so he's like, to put another kid on you, I was never going to put that burden on you. And um, so I don't know, it was just something in my soul or I just knew that I had to do it. And, um, and so we had a huge family meeting and, um, everyone kind of put their two cents in on why they thought it was a good idea or why they didn't think it was a good idea. And we talked it through and at the end, it was just decided that, um, that I was going to raise him. And the coolest thing about that meeting is that my mom was there and, you know, my parents had been divorced for years um, but they were married for 25 years mm -hmm. and, um, or 20 years, not 25. And, um, and so my mom got to like be a part of that decision as well, because my dad was like, I can't make this woman be a grandmother to a child that, you know, she could potentially hate or something like that. And so, um, it was kind of a beautiful situation that we all got to kind of make that decision together. And, um, and yeah, and so we, went to an attorney. It was on a Friday and we sat in the office and we signed all of the paperwork and she took the paperwork to the judge on Monday for like an emergency custody change or whatever. Um, and the judge approved it. And then I, my father died the very next day. So, oh. so he was totally hanging on for that to, to make be a done happen. deal. Mm -hmm. And what are the odds? What are the odds? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we, it's crazy because after the twins were born, I mean, we were so overwhelmed, really. Like, we were never going to have any more children. There's no way. And then, you know, just six months later, we're presented with this child that, um, that is going to be ours. And it's funny because Tim and I had talked about adopting Easton before my dad was ever sick. <gasps> I don't know. It was like, we just had this feeling for some reason we would have conversations about it. And it's so hard to believe now that we actually did have those conversations, but we did. And, um, and so it's just really crazy that it actually came to fruition. And the crazy thing is too, because I think this is important to share. What did Easton always call you? Yeah. So he always called me mama and <laughs> it, it's so, so beautiful because he, he always called me that. And I, at the time I was like, Oh, he just thinks that's my name because that's what all of my kids call me. You know, <laughs> there's so many of these little children calling this person mama. Like obviously that's her name. Um, but I also think it's a really awesome foreshadow that mm -hmm. he, it's like, he always knew, you know, he always knew you, you and Tim always knew. Yeah, we did. <laughs> And I think that this is just a, a perfect even segue to talk about the energy of the soul. You know, I have a belief system that we come here with a, a blueprint and that we pick our experiences and we pick our parents and and we pick our experiences to learn, obviously, because all of us, we have we all have a story. We all have resistances and 
we can understand whether you want to call it deja vu or memory imprints or whatever, whatever the word is. It's just these, these awarenesses and beautiful, beautiful experiences. And there was a knowing between all of you with Easton, you and Tim and your dad and his wife and your mom and all of these scenarios that played up to that moment. It was already defined. He even knew your name. He even knew that you were a mom. I know. I know. It's, it's mind blowing. If it's like, it's so hard for me to comprehend and I went through it. Um, right. But to just tell the story, it's like, wait, what? what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's crazy. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> oh, that's, that, it's so amazing. So, and, and then even from the, the legality part of it, you know, having this, you know, your, your uh, attorney be able to turn this around as quickly as it happened. And then your father to make his transition literally the next day. Right. I mean, right. it's so divinely on course. I mean, that's synchronicity at its finest. I don't believe in coincidences. So that is 100% right. synchronicity at its finest to the moment of uh, him, your dad knowing that Easton was in your care safely, that you would uh, take care of him uh, in the best of your ability. And he was already stepping into a family, you know, yes. of beautiful beings. So the, um, the day that the judge had signed the paperwork, I went to him by his bedside and I said, Hey dad, I just want to let you know that the judge, uh, signed the paperwork. It's a done deal. Easton is safe now. And he's, he looked at me and he smiled and he said, Oh malls. That's what he used to call me. Oh malls. That makes me so happy. I love you so much. And that was the last thing he ever said. And so it's like, Oh, it just, it makes my heart so happy to know that like that is just what he was waiting for. And as soon as he got it, he was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I can, I, I can go. I can go now and I can go in peace and where I'm not going to have to worry and just, you know, hands off the wheel. It's everything is good. Right. Yes. So right. how long has it been now since, um, so he was two, your stepbrother now is your son. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, um, one of the coolest things about this story as well is that my dad's hockey numbers in life were either the number six or the number 16. And the day that we adopted Easton was on June 16th. So six sixteen, <laughs> which is so cool. More, more synchronicity, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just can't get away from it. Like you can't make the stuff up because it's no. so... <laughs> It, it's so good. So now, so let's just come to current day. So how is Easton? How are, how does he, um, adapt? Was there, was there any, you know, uh, resistances that you as a family, you know, had to come through? Does he, you know, does he bring up and, and how do you incorporate the, the legacy of his dad into your family? So Easton is now five. He'll be six in November. So he's going to kindergarten this year. Um, He has pictures of his parents and him, the three of them hanging up in his room right above his bed. Uh, He talks to them through those pictures and we talk about him, about them as well to him. Um, He knows that I'm biologically his sister, but 
that, you know, his parents had died and they had chosen me to raise him as well as Tim. Uh, we're very open with him. I just, I think it's really important for, for him because he, you know, his parents are gone. He's never going to know them. He's never going to have the opportunity to know them. And, uh, so we keep them very well alive in his life. Um, but when we first got Easton, we had to get all of his medical work, all of his medical paperwork. And so that was kind of challenging to get all of that. But once I finally did, I had learned that Easton was born addicted to heroin. And this was a huge shock to me because I had no idea that, um, that that's how he was born. And so that was really hard for me to get over. I was very angry with my father for, I don't know, a month or two after I got all of that paperwork and, um, you know, how could you hide this from us and, and stuff. But so we have, um, I think the biggest challenge with that is just, I think that there's lingering issues that, um, you know, he, he tends to be kind of compulsive about things and, um, obsessive about things. And, um, so we've had to work really hard through that and we've had to learn a lot of patience with him. Mm -hmm. Um, he's taught me quite a bit about (laughs) patience and, um, I mean, of any of my children, I think he's taught me the most about motherhood and, and everything. So I'm very thankful for all of those lessons and, um, and all of that. But, but yeah, I mean, coming into our family, it wasn't, a lot of people ask, like, was it awkward for you? And it wasn't, it, Easton never felt like my brother, um, even when his parents were alive because I had my own children of my own, I think too, but, and he was so young, it was just hard for me to, to call him my brother when my other brother was, you know, 27. Right. And, <laughs> and he's, he was two, right? Yes, he was oh. two. So it was just hard for me to, to make that connection. Um, so once he came into our family, it was finally like, oh, this is the relationship. Like this makes more sense now. Um, it's like what I was, I was like craving it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so once it finally happened and he came into our home and our daughters, they just totally wrapped him up. And, um, I have pictures of him dressing up in dresses and stuff (laughs) like that. (laughs) And it's the cutest thing. I mean, he just jumped right in. It was, it was kind of like he was never gone. He was always a part of our family. It's hard to imagine a time that Easton wasn't here. Um, so it's all just been very natural and very, um, beautiful really so amazing so amazing (laughs) and it keeps unfolding right it keeps going (laughs) it does the story keeps going (laughs) so let's go Um, on to chapter two so yeah chapter two is um you know we had moved to california and we were in california that this was just last year and tim and i were talking and um would we want to have another child? And I was like, yes, but Tim was kind of like, uh, I don't know about that. Um, but I don't know, things just kept happening. Like I would make an extra plate of food or I would make an extra plate of water, or I'd be walking through the grocery store and my mind would be like, take a pregnancy test. And I'm like, eh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> but eventually we had decided that, yeah, we felt like we were missing one. And so we got pregnant and we chose to wait to find out what the gender was. 
we had waited with Sawyer, our second daughter, and it was just a really cool experience. And so we wanted to do that again. Um, and so we went to the anatomy ultrasound and we did not find out what we were having. And I went home that night and I had a dream and that dream was my father coming to me and he was holding a baby and the baby was wrapped up in a light blue blanket. And I knew in that moment that this little baby was a boy, but it was so hard to believe because I had four girls, you know, right. like I, the I only had daughters. Right. <laughs> so it was so hard for me to be like, yeah, it's, it's totally a boy. I just would go back and forth, back and forth. Like every day was a different, I thought it was something different. So May 2nd, we had a baby and that baby came out a little boy Ugh. and we named him Bowie. Um, and I, that moment, that moment in his birth was one of the few moments that I can say I truly felt my dad's hand on my shoulder, like they're supporting me. And it was so hard and beautiful at the same time, because this baby is the first baby that I won't have pictures of with my father. And, but I know he was there. Like, I know he, he had a hand in this baby. I believe that he knew Easton needed a brother, and um, and so he sent one for him. That's like one of the biggest gifts he could ever give him, and and me really. So, um, so yeah, Easton got a brother, and it was so unexpected. Even when I was laboring, I was like, "This is totally going to be a girl." <laughs> I just was. It was one of those like. Ugh. I wish it kind of was a boy, you know, but like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a girl and right. it would have been fine if it was a girl, you know, where we know yes. girls, but, um, but yeah, he came out a boy and it was just like, what Tim and I were just, I don't know, Tim, I, he was speechless. I really thought that if it would be a boy, Tim would like scream and jump up and down and like, hallelujah. Like, you know, one of those moments. And, but he was just like, wait, what? Right. Like, is this <laughs> really boy? happening? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, because this is like another part of the story that you that you hear about, but you can't write this stuff. Like this is just insane. And um and so yeah, he was a boy and Easton is so happy. He he gets jealous of his sisters because they all share a room. Mm -hmm. And so he he's like thrilled that he gets a, to share a room with somebody now because he's been right. waiting forever to do that. Right. So he's, he's super excited. And um, I don't think he understands really that, you know, Bowie's just too little to play with still because he's only two months old. And um, but he's excited. He talks about, you know, sharing his trains and cars and stuff. And so, yeah, it's this, it was this little missing puzzle piece that we didn't know we were missing until he came. And I don't know. It's just I feel really blessed really really blessed it's it's almost it, like i said it's one of those things that you just read about but we're actually having a conversation about it because it's your story right. you, you know but what's what's fascinating and even though i know the story but there's for me hearing it uh differently in um from a from a witness standpoint uh as we do this podcast you know it's how beautiful that Bowie can be welcomed when Easton is part of the family because, you know, from an energetic space and from an emotional space with, with Easton coming in later as, um, I don't even know how to phrase it, but just where your family's already intact, 
Right. You know, and, and you have, I don't want to call it outsider energy, but it's just like, well, where else am I going to supposed to go? You know, I'm, right. I'm going to, I'm going to my sister's, my sister's place. And then now Bowie, it's almost as if, you know, Easton invited Bowie yes. and, and then there's that agreement and, and there's that union between the both of them. And, and obviously, you know how I feel about Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which are you okay? If you, are yeah. you okay if we talk about it? Okay. So, um, in our last session, uh, and I think I posted, I think, I, I don't remember when you were, I think you mentioned on, on social media about the, the genders, you know, of opinions of people. And, you know, I felt it was going to be a boy. And, <laughs> I and, remember. Uh, yes. And so I'm, maybe I'm the odd one because the, statistically it's going to be a girl it's not going to be a boy but i i knew the relationship that you and your dad have not even past yes. tense um and when you have the love that you have for each other that's not something that goes away no and so i feel that bowie is representing your dad because in a way, your dad still has a lot to learn, right? right? And you being this beautiful teacher of being a mom and never really thinking about being a mom. And then all of a sudden, you started remembering what you're supposed to do here. Mm -hmm. And then the whole experience with your dad getting sick and, you know, in that relationship and then taking Easton on and then... I feel your dad's back here being the best possible version that he could be for Easton as his brother. Yes. Oh, so, so beautiful. Oh, it's just like, holy smokes. And, and you get to witness your dad because yeah. uh, if, you know, with, with him leaving, you know, and I think that this is a, a, a beautiful segue into this is that, we often find that when a parent leaves or transitions, we get angry because they're leaving us. You know, they're leaving us. Like, how can you leave me when he was your person? Mm -hmm. And yeah. in reality, he never left you. You know, he's returned in an, in another form because you, you just, that, like I said, logically, linearly, this is not possible. None of this is possible, which opens right. up, right? <laughs> so it opens up to holy smokes look at everything that has transpired between, you know, both you and Tim and, and let's just give some kudos to Tim. Uh, let's give kudos to Tim because <laughs> holy cow, this poor guy, I mean, not poor guy, but I mean, he didn't think that this was going to be his life, you know? Right. And, um, but he is honestly the best father. And I thought my dad was great, but like Tim is better. And he's just, he's such a loving guy and he just welcomed Easton with open arms as if it wasn't an issue. And, you know, it wasn't even a thought. It wasn't a thought. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and Tim didn't know my dad. I mean, the reality is that Tim barely spent any time with my, with my father. So for him to welcome his son, it was like, he barely knew them. Um, right. And he still did it because that's, and that's just what you do when a baby is, you know, an orphan, essentially. Mm -hmm. So, right. 
Right. And now you guys are doing well for yourselves. He's now let's take this further. So (laughs) (laughs) it keeps unraveling. So share, if you will, the opportunity that Tim has going on right now. Yeah. So my dad worked for a company called Tremco and it's a, a countrywide company. They do commercial roofing sales. And my dad had, um, pretty much created a totally different aspect of the company he was like in charge of. Um, so when he died, you know, his company really rallied around him and, and helped him out and stuff. Um, so Tim was kind of going through a midlife crisis, not a midlife quarter life crisis, I guess. (laughs) Um, and he's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. He went to school for exercise science and it just wasn't something he was passionate about anymore. And this opportunity with Tremco presented itself and he interviewed for it and he got the job and it's amazing. I mean, his salary is very amazing. He makes commission. So however hard he works is how much he makes now. And, um, but he makes really, really great money. And I know that my dad had a huge hand in that, mm-hmm. uh, cause we have six mouths to feed, you know, <laughs> six little babies to raise and, so I really, truly believe my dad um, sent that opportunity for Tim because he knew how life-changing it would be. And um, and here we are. So yeah, another yes. another way my dad had a hand in our life. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm sure, and I'm going to ask for the listeners because I know they're going to ask. I, I can feel it, even though they haven't even heard this yet. <laughs> but um, any more babies? I, Tim had a vasectomy, so, um, technically no, but I don't know. I, I would totally welcome more. I think Tim would welcome more too. And we always say, you know, if we won the lottery, we would have 12, 15 babies. I don't know. We'd just Mm -hmm. keep going, but, um, I don't know. I, I would welcome it for sure. And Mm -hmm. I think he would too. Mm -hmm. So you never know. You never Uh, know. An opportunity may arise where it's just, the right thing to do when a situation arises that it's, it's, uh, um, again, another gift because you clearly yeah. have, uh, beautiful gifts in, in your home right now. So let's go to chapter three. Chapter three is, I want to talk a little bit about you. So, uh, you've been blogging. Yes. You've been sharing, which I, I feel is fantastic because I believe everyone has a story. And the best way that we can help others is through sharing our story. So you've been blogging and sharing, um, just being a mom and parenting and your experiences. And you have gained quite attention with your blogs. Yeah, it's been, you know, I didn't go into it like thinking that my story would reach as many people as it did. I I really started blogging because writing is so therapeutic for me. It's just kind of a way for me to, you know, feel better, really. Um, So sharing different aspects of my story and my life was just important to me. And um, and people just loved it, really. Um, I started working with a company called Love What Matters, and they shared our story. And um, and then there was a video made of our story, and that got shared, I don't know, like a million times, which is nuts. Yes. Um, and yeah, so it was, I started it for fun, and it's still fun for me a year later. 
Um, it's called Tried and True Mama, and I named it Tried and True Mama because I felt like I had been through some really trying life experiences, and I feel like I've stayed true to who I am, and so that's that's kind of the reasoning behind the name of it. Um, but it's been, I've met some really cool people and, um, I've helped people, which is really important and really fun for me too. So yeah, it's been a really cool experience. Have you thought about writing a book? I have. Um, I'm seeing a movie like this could be a movie. (laughs) People, (laughs) maybe we're manifesting that. Maybe we're manifesting. People are like, oh, this is a lifetime movie. It is. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I've totally thought about writing. I have a children's book that I've written that I haven't gotten out there yet. It's still kind of just sitting. I don't know. I'm just scared, I guess. But um, but I, I would love to write, like, an autobiography as well. So we'll see. I mean, who so knows? So good. Well, you know, um, Christopher, who's manning the uh, – I don't even know what you call this. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. All, the, all these knobs. <laughs> the switchboard. <laughs> Yeah. So he's over here grinning because he just finished uh, another book and finished editing and or the editor finished it and in the getting ready to send, you know, the the chapters off to uh, all of these different publishing houses for it to be, you know, reviewed and whatnot. So I know of someone that could uh, chit chat with you. (laughs) Wink, wink. Um, (laughs) As a means of um, really, really maybe encouraging you because he will be the first one to uh, share with you that, you know, he he held on for quite some time his work. And it was I don't know if it was fear per se or if he thought it was just not the right time, but he held on to like it was birthing a baby like this was his yeah that was his comfort zone and yeah. uh and then exposing that you're you know I don't I don't think that that's really necessarily yours as a fear but you know because you're you're exposing it you know you're sharing it al- already but maybe it gets to be a little bit more deeper you know into into some details or you know deeper into your soul as you begin to to share your writing is beautiful you know, I, 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 I believe that writing is essential to, I call it soul release, which equals journaling. Um, but I yeah. feel journaling is so much more, uh, soul releasing is, is so much more deeper than just writing things down. It's connecting, you know, with right. our soul and, and our emotions and how we're feeling and, you know, getting things out in order to create more space for new energies to come in. So it, it's a, it's a really, really beautiful experience. So your you sharing, you said it, you know, putting putting things out there is important to share your story. That's how I feel we help and heal people through our own experiences, you know, because it's people know that they're not alone, you know, in in their stories. And, you know, there's goodness, there's no one else who's went through this. I mean, it's quite a phenomenal experience. <laughs> Everything, you know, that you've, you've been through, even, even talking about the addiction, yeah. you know, I mean, that's that, I mean, you could be speaking to millions of people just with that, you know, and, and looking at behaviors and, and I know that you, your children's health is incredibly important. The other thing, and we didn't, this is not something that we talked about, uh, but I love your spiciness. 
Meaning that (laughs) if you are adamant about something, you don't, you stand up for it. And that's what I, one of the things I love about you because I, I see you on social media and you just like, you know, you don't roll over. You, you stand up for your children. You stand up. You're an advocate for them. You're a voice for them. You don't just go along with the flow of what everyone else is doing. Right. And, and we've, you and I've talked about that offline, you know, and so that's huge. That's it huge. Is. It is. And it's crazy because I'm a really big people pleaser. So you would think that I would, you know, follow the herd. But <laughs> but I don't know. There's certain things that, that come up and I'm like, nope, that is not. I don't know. It's like the mama bear in me. It's just mm-hmm. like, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and then the other thing is, too, is that, you know, I'm sure that people have, and not that I want to focus on the heaviness, but I'm sure that people think like, you know, Molly, you're pretty young and you've got six kids. Like you have no idea what you're doing. Right. You know, right? right. So, cause you, you've gotten a lot in, in a very short amount of time. And so automatically they assume that you have no idea what you're doing. And clearly, you know what you're doing. You could, you could teach on <laughs> empathy. You could teach on compassion. You, both you and Tim, both. You know, just by you stepping outside of what's comfortable to do the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 28 with six kids. Never thought that would happen. I never thought I'd drive a minivan, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is interesting. So, you know, me and my little synchronicities. So two and eight is 10, which breaks down to a one with Six children is 16. Oh, wow. That's crazy. There he is again. Hi, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) There he is again. Wow. That's awesome. So good. Like, so, so, so good. Um, Let us know where we can find you again. Tried and True Mama on social media. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Tried and True Mama. It's M A M A. Um, and then Tim and I actually just started a podcast. I just <gasps> released it today. It's called Today. Yeah, it's called uh, Tried and True Family. So if you search ah. Tried and True Family, you'll find us on iTunes and and all that stuff. So it's exciting. So good. <laughs> Oh, my heavens. We'll absolutely put uh, that in our show notes as well. However, we can support you guys. Um, You know that we will absolutely do it on our end. I'm telling you, there is a movie coming out of this. And I'm also telling you that um, start. don't wait too long to start releasing these books. Um, Your voice needs to be heard. Your wisdom needs to be heard. Um, You know, the other thing I'm going to add to this is just because you're 28 doesn't mean that you're 28, right? <laughs> you know? And so, and that's a reminder for everyone who's listening, please don't look at people based on their age. Um, look at people based on how they are moving through their life yes, without judgment and what they are doing to um, create compassion, peace, awareness, kindness, joy, love, uh, and, and doing the right thing. Uh, because it's, uh, we need it. We we need to show by example. And not only are you showing by example every time you walk out your door with those beloveds, 
But now, you know, taking the whole next step of um, sharing your voices, you know, from a mother and a father perspective and putting your things out there. So I, you know, I, I'm just like over here just going so freaking awesome because <laughs> I know how many hours Tim works and, and I know what it takes uh, to do podcasting on the back end. This is not just, <laughs> it takes time and it a does. lot of it. And uh, so kudos, so much kudos to the both of you for um, putting in the time, energy and emotion and continuing to keep going with all that you have going on. It's truly, truly, truly an inspiration. So Oh, it's so good. It's well, so good. Well, thank you for, for letting me come on and, and share the story and just chat with you. It's always so fun to just talk with you. It is. So. <laughs> it's so much fun. I love it. I love it. And how, like I said, however we can support you in the future, by all means, do not hesitate to ask. And, um, you know, it just so excited for what's in store for um, the Schultz family. It's so yes. good. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us and uh, we'll put all the information and Molly's information in the show notes and we'll talk to you soon. Thank all you. Right. Thank you. Okay. Aviana. <laughs> Bye.